your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to turn with me to Numbers chapter 11. So we've been in a four-week series. Last week we started this series called The Wilderness and what it looks like in the wilderness. And we're going through the book, or not the book, but the chapter of Numbers chapter 11. And so the title of the series is The Wilderness. The title of the, this message is, is where God provides, that God provides even in the wilderness. Now listen, if you've, if you've ever traveled with children, right? If you've ever traveled with children, like on vacation, and you get in the car and you start heading out on vacation, that every parent knows the most dreaded question from our children, which is... Yeah, are we there yet, or how much farther? I mean, our kids literally would start out, we'd just hit I-25, and they're like, how much farther? Are we, are, are we there yet? And what's hilarious is Karen and I are hiking people. So, so we like to hike in, in Colorado and in, in other states as well, and so we've done vacations around hikes and some of those other things. And so it's kind of funny sometimes, is it in Colorado that we're coming down off the mountain, we're coming down off, off of a hike, and then all of a sudden we meet that, that couple or that family family or that group, and you know they're not prepared for the trip. I mean, they're in like flip-flops and no hat, no sunscreen, no water, no supplies, you know, shorts and t-shirts, just light. Not, not, I mean, they're, they're not even prepared. And a lot of times they'll stop us when we're coming down. They go, hey, how much farther? So they don't have a lap, uh, uh, an app. They don't even know how far it is. They're like, hey, how much farther? And we'll tell them, we'll tell them, you need to pick up the pace. I mean, you, you know, do you have water and some of those other things? And so, but they, they go on their way. And so it's kind of fun for us. And so Karen and I just turn and like dumb Texans, and that's what we say to each other. <laughs> it's awesome now that I'm now like a person from Colorado that I can say stuff like that. And so now I get that. I understand now why you enjoy it so much. And so... <laughs> yeah, and so when you look at this, you realize that, that I have a lot of people in my life and a lot of people that I know that are asking that same question right now. How much farther? I mean, when, when are we, we going to get there? I mean, there's a lot of people in my circles. I don't know about your circles, but they feel like, you know what, I'm in the wilderness. I mean, I'm in the wilderness. It's where, it's where your strength dries up. It's where you get tired. It's where you struggle with this issue of joy. And there's all types of wildernesses that you and I can go through. You can go through a financial wilderness to where you have just struggle in that area. You can go through a relational wilderness. You can go through a marriage wilderness. You can go through a parenting wilderness. You can go through a health crisis or a health wilderness. You can go through an inflation wilderness. You can go through a world wilderness. I mean, there's all types of wildernesses that you and I can go through. And if you're not careful... It, you will struggle through that wilderness. See, this is what happened to the children of Israel. They had been in the wilderness about two, two years at, at this point when we pick up the story. And so when you look at them, they're, they're discouraged and they're disillusioned and they're, they're depressed. And, and, and they know they're going to make it because God has promised them, you're going to make it and you're going to make it to your journey. But they, but they want to know when. They want to know how. I mean, when will I be myself again? When will things turn back to normal? When will I have joy again? When will I have peace again? When is this whole mess going to like work out so that I know that it's worth it? You see, Moses was asking a little bit different question. Moses was asking, Lord, how much, how much farther? Because I just don't know that I can do this. I mean, I don't know if I can do this. Here's the crazy thing about Moses. Moses didn't even apply for the job. Moses didn't even want the job to lead the children of Israel. I mean, he's a shepherd. 
And he's just simply tending sheep. He's on the backside of the desert. He's on the backside of the wilderness. This is not a high point in his life. This is like a low point in his life. He walks by this bush. This bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. So Moses says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go look. I'm going to go check it out. And here's the conversation. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. You can still go there today. I've been there a couple of times. The, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within the bush. And Moses looked. He saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Here am I, he answered. Don't come any closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And they continually have this conversation, and God tells Moses, says, I'm sending you. And Moses is like, no, I'm not going. And then God says, well, I'm still sending you. And he says, well, they won't follow me. He goes, no, you're, Moses, you're, you're going. Then he says, you don't understand. I'm not a good orator. I mean, I, I stumble over some words, and I, I, I stutter, and I'm slow of speech is what he said. And he says, no, you're, you're, you're like going. And then all of a sudden, Moses like pushed back again, and Moses says, well, you don't understand. My vocation skills are not very strong. I'm not very smart. I mean, after all, I'm a shepherd. That's why I'm a shepherd. And God says, no, you're going. And Moses, Moses didn't even apply for this position. And so we pick up the story when Moses is leading the children of Israel. And they've been in the desert. and They've been in the wilderness for about two years. And when you look at this, you realize that the people, the people are like, they're resentful. They're resentful of Moses and they're resentful with God. And, and whenever they hit a hardship, whenever they hit difficulty, they just complain and they scream to Moses and they scream to God, I'm just sick of this. I'm sick of this. And it really didn't. When you look at the story and you read it for yourself all the way through, it doesn't take long. When you read the story, you realize that it, it didn't matter what Moses did and it doesn't matter what God did at the time. They just weren't going to be happy. And they were going to continually complain about Moses, and they're com com continually going to complain about God. And so all of a sudden, we pick up the story in Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. And here's what the scripture says. It says, the riffraff among them. So it wasn't all of them. It wasn't all of them. But wouldn't you agree that complaining is contagious? A negative attitude is contagious. All it takes is one person in a family just to complain, complain, complain. And all of a sudden, the family will become discouraged and, and, and negative. All it takes is the, at the office, right? It's just that one person, that one person. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful, this issue of complaining is like contagious. And so the riffraff among them had a strong craving for other food. The Israelites wept again and said, who will feed us meat? See, they wanted meat. They didn't have meat. We remember the, the free fish we ate in Egypt along with the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now our appetite is gone. In the Hebrew, that, that literally also translates out strength. The way that you know that you're in a wilderness, you're in a wilderness moment, is when you say, you know what, my strength is gone. This wilderness has been chipping away at my soul. I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I, my, my strength, my strength is gone. 
And then he says, there's nothing to look at but this manna. See, here's their problem. They thought they were created to look down instead of look up. And they had been looking down at all the, all, all the stuff that God wasn't doing instead of looking up to see who he is. And they had this issue. They had this problem. And so next in the story is how Moses is going to connect to God. Maybe the more important question is, is how is God going to connect to Moses? Because I don't know if you're like me. That's my big question when I go through a wilderness. And I've been through plenty. But that's my big question. When I go through a wilderness, when I go through those times when I feel like my soul has been chipped away at, or when I feel like, you know what, my, my strength is gone, and I'm just asking God, how much farther, how much longer? I don't know if I can keep doing this. I need to know, how do I connect with God? How do I remain a person that is looking up instead of looking down? And then how is God going to connect with me? For about a year, we've been collecting stories, uh, the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living stories, of families and couples in our church that when they've gone through difficulty, um, when they've gone through a wilderness, when they've gone through a challenge, how did they connect with God and how did God connect with them? And so this morning, I'm, we, we have a, just a great story from George and Talca Woods. And so I would like for you to hear their goodness of the Lord in the land of the living story, so watch the side screens. I don't care how weak or how tough you think you are, you're nothing if you don't have God or have faith. My name is Talca Woods, and I've been attending Fellowship of the Rockies for about 16 years. I am George Woods. Uh, probably been going to Fellowship of the Rockies for approximately the last 12 years. My wife started a few years before I did, and she kept telling me, this is not like any other church that we have attended, any other, you need to come. I was not raised in a Christian home. I was raised um, morally. My, my father probably, he was my stepdad, but he, he wasn't the best role model. We, we did not attend church regularly at all. I was on the outside looking in. I could see other uh, friends and family who were attending church and I felt like I was missing out. I knew that there was uh, Jesus, I knew there was a God, but I did not know him personally and I felt really um, on the outside looking in. It was really difficult when we both got COVID. Um, we thought we were both very strong. We have no underlying conditions. It is not going to happen to us. I was so headstrong that I would have bet anything I would have never got sick. We had a hospital set up in our living room. So we would take care of him day and night and his oxygen just kept getting worse and worse. So he finally agreed that he would let me take him to the emergency room. So then I was in the hospital for, I believe, about two and a half days. They could not get my oxygen up. The doctor come to me and she said, can we put you on a ventilator? And I go, no. And she laid, laid down and she told me, she says, uh, well, you're a dead man. We can't help you anymore. And God gave me a vision of my daughter's faces and my granddaughter. And I leaned up and I said, I've got two daughters and a granddaughter. You do what you have to. And he told me, I am going to go on the ventilator, and I have to do this for the girls. And I said, 
okay, I love you and, and I'll see you when you get off the ventilator. For the next 12, 14 days, I didn't know anything that was going on. Um, I do know it was worse on everybody else at that point in time than me because I was knocked out. We kept holding on to God's promise that he was going to heal George. We just didn't know if he was going to heal him on earth or if he was going to heal him in heaven. Throughout each day, God would send me what I labeled God winks. And uh, those were the, the best moments um, of feeling his presence and that he was in control and that we had um, everything that we needed and that George was being taken care of. When George got off the ventilator, he had to start physical therapy. And he healed me so quick, it would, no one could believe it, including me. His energy began to build and his strength began to come back and that was um, all due to the hands of, of God. The therapist predicted that I would be allowed to leave the hospital on December 18th. And I was well enough that uh, with God's healing, I left on December 8th. I've learned that I don't care how weak or how tough you think you are, you're nothing if you don't have God or have faith. My friends would ask, how are you standing up through all this? What are you doing? And it was totally God's strength. I was willing to let His will happen. However this was going to turn out, that's how it was going to be. I couldn't change it. And so I had to depend totally on Him. When you're stripped of all your resources and everything, and you can't, you're out of total control, there's only one place to go, and that's God. Sometimes I think God is testing you. But I don't think God is more worried about your comfort than he is your character. And I, I have to tell everyone, if you think you can make it through this world without the faith of God, you're like I was before I give my soul to God. You're only kidding yourself. Acts 3.16, by faith in the name of Jesus, the man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. A lot of my worries that I used to worry about financially, do I get this work done, get that work done, do I make this person happy, I don't worry about it anymore. If, if I feel I have a problem, I pray to God, and it has always worked out for the best. It is not in your power at all. None of this is in our power. We have to depend on Him. And the sooner that we realize that and we allow Him to work through our situations and hand it over to Him, the easier it is for Him and for us. So George and Tauka had this testimony of, of walking through the wilderness and how they were able to connect with God and how God was able to connect with them. How they were able to be people that looked up instead of looking down, which discourages and frustrates us. And, and I, see the, I want you to see these principles not only as it's, it's come out in their life, 
but also how it, it came out in the life of Moses and the, and the people that were following him in the midst of a wilderness. Because maybe you find yourself in a wilderness this morning. Maybe it's a financial wilderness. Maybe it's a relational wilderness. Maybe it's something with your children. Maybe it's something with your marriage. Maybe it has to do with economy or job or something. But how do you navigate? How do you navigate through the wildernesses of life? Because truly in the wildernesses of life, that's where we learn faith. That's where we learn to pray. That's where we learn to connect with God and how God connects with us. Now, there's a saying that Karen and I have on the trail. Whenever we, whenever we hike, we always get to that place, usually me, that I just, I just want to give up. That I, I, I mean, I remember when we started hiking early, and I was out, I was out of shape, and we, we started out on this one hike, and the elevation change was great, you know, at the first, you know, one of those things. And I got to the place to where I'm like, Karen, how much farther and she's like, Charlie, suck it up. I can still see the truck. I mean, I, I can still, I can like still see the parking lot. We have not just suck it up. And so, and so we have this, we would have this saying that would say, okay, from this point on, it's all mental. It is all mental from here. It is mental focus to get through this. And so the same thing is true in the Christian life. But in the wilderness, there's a lot of times we will say, you know what, it's all spiritual from here. It's just all, and they've reached this point. So I want to give you three things this morning that you heard from George and Talca's testimonies you're going to see in the scriptures. And the first thing is this, is prayer. The first thing, uh, there's a lot of us that guess what? We never really learn to pray until we come to the end of ourselves. We come to the end of our resources. We can no longer do it in our strength. That, that was the children of Israel. And I don't know if you're old enough, but let me just ask you, are you old enough to remember that the only way that we could communicate long distance was like letters? Remember that? Okay, for, for, your younger, for the younger generation, we would use a thing called a pen, <laughs> and we'd get out a piece of paper, and we would write all of our thoughts out on this piece of paper. We'd fold it up, stick it in an envelope. You know, we would address it, put a stamp on it. We would mail it. And then about two weeks later, we would hear back from the people that we had written to. See, I have all the letters uh, from my uncle that fought in the Battle of the Bulge and all the letters that he sent to his parents and the letters that they sent back. And it's fascinating. It is fascinating to read that. I remember uh, when I was a junior in high school, we were living in Tyler, Texas at the time, and I had a best friend named Phil. My dad gets transferred from Tyler, Texas to Bay City, Texas, and they sit the family down, and my parents did and said, we're moving. My first question was, is how, how are Phil and I going to be able to communicate? Can I call him? My parents are like, oh, no, that'd be way too expensive, right? Remember those days? Remember those days you'd have to take out a loan just to make a, a long-distance phone call? I mean, it's craziness. And so, and now in today's world, guess what? I text Phil all the time. We can FaceTime. I mean, you can Zoom with people, FaceTime people from all over the world. It's like they're in their room. Like, this, like on Tuesday, I'm going to have a Zoom call for, with Pastor Igor in the Ukraine and as, as we continue to support him and it's like we're in the same room and so we have technology now it doesn't matter where you are in the wor world you can co communicate instantly you know the interesting thing about God God hasn't kind of kept up with the whole technology change right I mean God hasn't improved like the technology to or has it hasn't updated the technology to connect with him it's still the same I mean, it's still, you call on him, you pray to him, you reach out to, to him. When you look at this, it is looking up instead of 
looking down. We were not created for this. We were created for that because whenever we focus on this, guess what? We're going to get discouraged. Whenever we focus on the news of the day or what's going on, the circumstances, our issues, our problems, it will always discourage us. And so we pick up the story in Numbers chapter 11, verse 10. Here's what he said. Now Moses heard the people, family after family, weeping at the entrance of their tents. And the Lord was very angry. And Moses, Moses was also provoked. In other words, their emotions are affecting Moses. Moses is struggling because of their complaints. Moses is struggling as well. So the whole group, the whole group is fragile and frustrated. And so, so Moses asked the Lord, why have you brought such trouble on your servant? Why are you angry with me? And why do you burden me with all these people? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth so, so you should tell me, carry them at your breast as a nursing mother carries a baby to the land that you swore to, to give their ancestors? Where can I get meat to give all these people? So now we know their complaint. Their complaint is meat. God's providing manna, and that's not good enough. For they are weeping to me. God, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. They are too much for me. And if I was good at like a whiny voice, I would read all these passages like a, like a whiny voice, right? I mean, because it seems like they're just whining. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of language in here. It's like childlike language. I am not their mother. Why should I have to carry them? Why should I have to bear this alone? They're too heavy for me. I can't carry this. I can't do this. Moses is definitely having a bad day. In verse 15, now we know he's hitting rock bottom. Watch this. If you're going to treat me like this, please kill me right now. If I have found favor with you, and don't, and, and don't let me see my misery any. More. In other words, Moses has come to the place on the trail where he said, God, if you love me, you'll kill me right now. I've, that's happened to me on a hiking trail. <laughs> Literally, I've laid down on the trail. Dear Lord Jesus, if you love me, you will take me home right now because I don't know if I can get off this mountain. And Moses was that way. And so Moses now is like discouraged and he's disillusioned and he's like depressed. They're too heavy for me. I can't do this. In other words, Moses is like, how long? How long is this trail? How much farther do we have to go? When are things going to get better? So Moses is fried and Moses is fragile. Oh, and guess what? The people as well. They're fried. They're frazzled. They're frustrated. They're angry. And when you look at this, if you're not careful, you can complain. You can get to the place to where you complain about what you don't have and to where you miss what you do have. And you can get to the place where life for you is like looking down. Life for you is trying to get that next update, get that next thing in the economy or, or, or polit politics or whatever. And as a result of that, you're getting discouraged because we were not created to be looking down people. We were created to be looking up people that God has more for us. We're in the, we're in the kingdom of God. And so Moses, when you look at Moses, Moses is like facing the right direction. His back is not to God. And this is, this is subtle, but it's so important. Moses is not complaining about God. Moses is complaining to God. There's a difference. There's a difference. The people, they're complaining about God. God, you don't love me. God, you're not taking care of me. God, you aren't with me. God, you're giving me this manna. You should be giving me this meat. God, you don't know what you're doing. God, so they're complaining. Moses, no. Moses, and see, this, this is so important when you and I go through the wilderness that we don't complain about God, we complain to God. 
Isn't that what Jesus said, that we should give him what? We should give him our complaints. We should give him our burdens. And we should, we should take his, lot, his yoke, which is, which is light. And so when you look at this, the, the people, they're looking down, and they're not looking up. Moses was like helping God to understand, God, this is my problem. This is my burden. But Moses, he kept his hands open. He kept his hands open and says, but I'm, 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 I'm going to follow you. I mean, you read the story and you, th- you think about this issue, about just learning what it means to come into his presence, learning what it means to give him your burdens, to give him your struggles. God, this is the trouble. God, this is my problem. God, this is my despair. And so you have to look at how does God meet this? I want you to see how God meets with Moses because it's the way he meets with us. And he's in the middle of this desert, and he feels like he's going to quit. Verse 16, then the Lord answered Moses, bring me 70 men from Israel known to you as elders and officers of the people. Take them to the tent of meeting and have them stand there with you. You know what, you know what God's telling Moses? Moses, you weren't created to do, do this alone. Your problem is you're trying to do it alone. There's a lot of Christians, the reason that Christians are struggling in this time because they've isolated themselves from a Christian community. They're isolated themselves from people that are looking up instead of looking down. See, if you're not careful, you would only gather around people that are like looking down, looking at all the problems and looking at all the struggles and looking at what's wrong. And you wonder why you stay discouraged. See, God was telling Moses, Moses, you come into Christian community and you find in his, this case 70 men. You find, you find these men that are looking up men that are still have their hands open, that encourage you and can speak into your life, can, 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 can bless you with a word, or with a prayer. I, I've walked with so many families in this issue of just walking through the wilderness and I found one common thing. Those that walk through the wilderness and do well, they stay in community. And they have people around them that can encourage them and pray for them. Whenever the scripture talks about coming into the tent of meeting, that was just a way in the Old Testament of saying, come into the presence of God. Continue to worship him. Continue to pray. Continue to reach out and put yourself around people that have the ability to do that. First thing is prayer. The second thing is provisions. God still provides in the wilderness. God provided for them and he provides for us. Verse 17. Then I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of, some of the Spirit who is on you and put the Spirit on them. They will, they will help you bear one another's burdens as if they were our own, right? They will help you bear the burden of the people so that you do not have to bear it by yourself. God is helping Moses understand, do not go it alone. It's interesting to me the, the language that, that God uses. God uses the same language that Moses used, but he reframes it. Remember Moses saying, it's too heavy for me, I can't carry it alone. Remember that? Moses gives him the burden, and so God takes his language, reframes it, and says, oh, get these men. They'll help you carry the burden. I'll help you carry the burden. Moses, you don't have to walk along. I'll, I'll, I'll walk with you. In other words, God provided for Moses in the wilderness, and he still provides for us in the wilderness. Whenever you come to the place and you want to give it to God, you're just honest. God, I'm losing it here. God, I don't know if I can carry this. God, how much much farther? But being willing to leave your hands open, don't be looking down people, looking up, reading Scripture, praying. 
getting with Christian, that's why the men's ministry is so important to us right now. To where you get people together that can like speak truth into one another's life, encouragement into one another's life, to help you understand that guess what? You're not the only person that's ever gone through a wilderness. See, some of the some of the things, if we're not careful, that can happen to us when we isolate, we can think we're the only person that's going through this. We're the only person that's having these doubts, we're the only person that's having these struggles. We're the only person that's walking around through, walking through this, and when we come into community, you know what we find? We can find men and women that, guess what, have gone through the same type of wilderness, maybe different, same type of wilderness, and they can speak encouragement into our life, and that's what's happening. That is what God is telling him. Listen, I'm telling you, there's a difference between physically attending church and spiritually attending church. Huge difference. Physically attending church is when you come into a church with a burden and you walk out of church with the same burden. That's like physically attending church. That's like mentally, like you may have learned some stuff and you may have learned some knowledge, but you still have the same burden. Spiritually attending church is when you're able to come in and you're able to come into the presence of God and you're able to give him your burdens and you don't leave the same way as when you came in. That's why in the Old Testament, just real quickly, it's like for free. I didn't even tell it to the Saturday night group. In the Old Testament, they would tell them, when you, when you come in to worship, if you come in the north gate, you go out the south gate. If you come in the east gate, you go out the west gate. If you come in the west gate, you go out the east gate. And you actually see that today. And the reason is, it was a, it, it was a reminder to the Jewish people that when I come into the presence of God, I don't go out the same way I came in. You can take and you can today, you can walk the steps into the temple. All the steps are different. They're different width. I mean, Asha would like hate it. Uh, they're, they're, different, they're different widths. They're different heights. And the only way you can come into the temple, Jewish people, is you, you would have to change the way you walk. And you'd have to continue. It was a reminder to the Jewish people, when you come into the presence of God, you've got to change some things in your life. You've got to change some things. And so there's physically attending church and there's spiritually attending church. And when we spiritually attend church, we come to that place where something shifts in our life. Listen, if you life journals, see, that's, if you life journal, which you read scripture with us, and we read through the Bible in the year, and see, it's just a practice of mine. I try to give God my first in everything. I try to give him the first part of my day. I give him the first part of my energy. I give him the first part of my resources. And, and I've watched God, I've watched God just bless as, as I've stewarded that. And so Thursday morning, I, I was up in my home office, you know, sun's not even up. I'm just on my first cup of coffee. And I, I drink a lot of coffee. Karen and I can't even share the same coffee pot because I drink it all. So she has a Keurig and I have a big pot. <laughs> Sometimes I'm hyper because of it. But anyway, I'm in my home office and we're reading through Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus is telling the disciples the cure for anxiety, the cure for worry. And he says, whenever you worry about looking down what you will eat and what you will drink and what you will wear, whenever you worry about tomorrow, uh, that's going to cause anxiety and that's going to cause stress in your life because then he goes on, who can add even an extra day to their life? And don't you know your Father in heaven already knows you need those things. And if he knows you need those things, he's going to supply them. And in other words, he's trying to move them from looking down people to looking up people. And then he says, seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. In other words, that's your focus. It's not these things. It's seek ye first the kingdom of God. Be people that are looking up. And then I will add all of these other things to you. It's, 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 it's a total shift. 
And then at the end of Luke chapter 12, then he goes, you hypocrites. He says, you can, you can look at the sky, you can look at the wind, you can look at the sun, and you can predict the weather. But you cannot predict spiritual things. You cannot see things spiritually. Why? Because you're just looking down. And you're not looking up. And so when you look at that, there's prayer and there's, there's, there, there's um, and then there's provisions. And, the, and then the third and the last thing is this, is just praise. There's prayer, provision, and, pr- and, and praise. And, and part of praise is understanding that, you know what, God is in, in control. And so let, let me read a verse for you. It's in, in Psalm chapter 13, uh, verse 1. And, and here, here's, here's what it says. It says this, how long, Lord? And I want you to hear this. This is Moses. And so those in the back, you're going to have to go back before that point to grab this verse. And so, so here's what it says, Psalm 13, verse 1. As the scripture is going to come up, I know it is. And so I'll read it. Here we go. And this is how Moses prayed. This is how Moses laid his burdens down. And it says, how long, Lord? How long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me uh, and answer, Lord my God, restore the brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. And so Moses is like, Moses is like praying out. And Moses is like, hey, restore the brightness to our eyes. We would say, God, give me joy again. God, just give me joy again. That's all Moses is doing in this moment. And he is giving his burdens to the Lord. He is helping the Lord know, this is my burdens. This is what, I'm, uh, what is on my heart. And so, and then it leads to praise. And look at this. All of a sudden it turns to praise. Psalm 13, verse 5. It says, but I have trusted in your unfaithful love, or your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Moses is discouraged, disillusioned, he's depressed, and he goes in and he gives his burden to the Lord's, and guess what? He comes out happy. Guess what? He comes out blessed. If you Listen, if you come into the presence of God truly, and you're able to give him your burdens and your struggles, there is something different that happens when you move your focus from looking down to looking up. There is something that happens. And then in Numbers chapter 11, verse 25, it says, or 24, Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. He brought 70 men from the elders of the people and had them stand around the tent. And the Lord descended in the cloud and spoke to him. And he took some of the, of the spirit who was on Moses and placed the spirit on the 70 elders. As the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they never did it again. And so if you've ever, if you ever stop, listen, if you ever stop coming into the presence of God, especially in the wilderness, it will discourage you. I don't know why it is as humans and people that we have a tendency when we go through struggles, when we go through pain, isolate ourselves instead of coming to the Lord. Isolate ourselves from Him. Isolate ourselves from other Christians. When you're in the desert, the only way to get through the desert is with Him. It's what George said, right? Only way. Only way. We need God. We need God and we need people around us who has what? Who has God in them. 
that has the same spirit, if you will, as, as us. Just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're still going to call people down for prayer. But I, I just feel strongly we need to do something corporately. And I want to just read the 23rd Psalm over you. But I want to help you. I want to pause at some points and just maybe some reflection. Would you just bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I don't know if you're in a wilderness this morning. I know I've talked to a lot of people who'd say, you know what, we're in a wilderness. We're in a wilderness. We're tired. We're exhausted. I mean, we're, we're just, it doesn't matter how much sleep we get. We're tired. We're just tired. And they describe it all kinds of different ways. And so maybe you would just try to give him some of your burdens this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Can I just remind you, Jesus is still in charge? Still deeply involved in your life, guiding, leading, and providing. And he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. In the desert, God refreshes a weary soul. A weary heart. And he'll give resilience, spiritual resilience. If you'll just trust him, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Listen, don't get baited into all these social and political drama that's going on in our world. Who is happy? Who is mad? Who is upset? Who is not? Let God lead you each day. Be a person that is looking up. Even though I walk through the, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even in a difficult time, God is still the one that comforts. God is still the one that protects. God is the one that still navigates his own. And you prepare a table for it before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You can still see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, even in the wilderness. And surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And our realities is not determined by pandemics, by politics, or anything else. I live in God, and guess what? He lives in me. And His goodness is with me today. His goodness will be with me tomorrow. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And He will comfort us. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I, I just need someone to pray for me. And I got this burden, and I need to give this burden to the Lord, but I need somebody around me that can add their faith to my faith. If that is you this morning, we want to pray for you. In just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we do, if we stand up, would you step out and make your way down the front? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love and your grace. Would you pull this church very closely to you? For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? And as you stand up, just real quickly, we're not going to be in this moment long. If you need prayer in any of your life, as you stand up, would you step out? Would you make your way down to the front? We have some prayer partners. We have some people responding in prayer. But if you need prayer this morning, we want to pray for you. So you just make your way down to the front. Tell us your name and how we can pray for you. And we'd love to have the opportunity to pray for you. This will be your first weekend with us, and that's okay. That's okay with us. Just make your way down. Tell us your name and how we can pray for you. 
If you made a decision of any kind, we would love to know about that. There's a connect card in front, seat back in front of you. You can take that out. You can complete that, place it in one of the boxes on the way out. And now for our, our benediction, our closing prayer, if you will, is just pure scripture. Make, may the Lord encourage you today with these words. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord protect you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you. And, the, and may the Lord be gracious to you. And may the Lord give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Thank you for being here this weekend.